Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, June 5th, 2022. It focuses on God's gift of the Holy Spirit by asking what-if questions about the events which took place on the day of Pentecost. The message to all who will listen is Jesus is in heaven interceding for us, and the Holy Spirit has come to give us power to live for Jesus, speak his word, and share the good news. Now, here are pastors Mike Neifert and Scott Rose. Several months ago, before Easter, Scott and I did a little uh, what-if exercise. If you remember, we were talking about the Marvel series. Maybe none of you have seen that. But that Marvel series kind of gives that what-if what if something had been different in the comics? Maybe Captain America was not a good guy. I don't know. Or Loki was a hero instead of a bad guy, a supervillain. So what if Scott and I did that again? We're not going to talk about Marvel because that doesn't really do much for us, right? That does, not, that does not lead us to Jesus necessarily. Oh, give me a chance. All right. <laughs> Anyway, we talked about what if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, what if he hadn't raised from the dead, and that kind of thing. And so today is the church's celebration of the day of Pentecost. Anybody know what Pentecost is? It was a celebration of the harvest. It was a joyful celebration of bringing in the sheaves. You know the old song, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in... Uh, some of okay, some people know it. Anyway, so it was a celebration of the harvest, and it happened to be the day that uh, well, something special happened, and we'll get to that in just a second. We will tell you what Pentecost is. It's much more significant than a celebration of the harvest, and we're going to get to that in just a bit. So we're going to do some what if scenarios and ask each other questions kind of planned ahead of time, just so you know. It's not like we're going to surprise each other with these questions, but things that we wanted to make sure that we kind of talked about what if this hadn't happened or what if it had happened differently, and then we're going to talk about the good things that God has done and the way that he has worked, and it's going to be a reminder to us today that he's at work here, that he's at work wherever we are that we are filled with the Spirit if we're believers in Jesus and that we can do what he gives us to do because he empowers us. Okay? You ready for that? Let's pray. God, thank you that you are here in this place and that we can ask, what if you moved in Pratt, Kansas, through this church, by your Holy Spirit, and did things just as amazing as what we see in the, in the New Testament? God, I pray that you would inspire and encourage us, and if we need it, correct us. Help us to see what you want to do, and help us to be faithful, to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to ask the first question, and Scott, what if Jesus, after he had raised from the dead, what if he had not returned to heaven? Ah, you know, Mike, that, that's a really good question. I, I like that question because there, there's so many possibilities. Because I don't know, have you ever heard of the swoon theory? Like when you go, oh. Yeah, kind, kind of like that, yeah. Well, yeah. there are some people, people that believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross and that he just he passed out. 
and he was so close to death. Well, they didn't have the modern medical stuff that we have today, so they couldn't detect a heartbeat or a pulse or anything like that. And not that they would have checked. They assumed he was dead. I mean, even though, you know, he did take a spear in the side and all that, but... That would they, hurt. Yeah. Well, he was unconscious. Maybe he didn't feel it, but... <laughs> You'd think it'd wake you up. Yeah, absolutely. But some people believe that he did not die on the cross, and that what they, when they put him in the tomb, his disciples actually came and did steal the body. You remember how the Pharisees told, told the guards, well... He said he was going to rise on the third day. We better put some guards so make sure that nobody comes and steals the body. Well, some people believe that actually happened. And that's, that's called the swoon theory. So there was absolute, actually no death and no resurrection. So the other thing is, is that um, if, if Jesus didn't really die and wasn't really raised, that would prove that Jesus really wasn't the son of God. And that he was, uh, or that he was divine, because he was just a man, and, and it's all a big hoax. And that, of course, then that means there would be no Holy Spirit, because in order for it to be a Holy Spirit, Mike's going to touch on that in just a moment, no Holy Spirit, no lives changed, and no hope for his return. All right, so we're going to go to the scripture now. So if you grab your Bible, we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. We're going to be kind of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 throughout this morning. And uh, we'll tell you where we are. I'll try to say it more than once. I tend to forget to do that. But we're in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, verses 9 through 11 to get us started. So here's what it says, Acts 1, 9 through 11. See, I almost forgot to repeat it. Acts 1, 9 to 11. What, what passage is it? Acts something. Acts 1, 9, nine to 11. Oh, okay. 1, 9 through 11. Right. So Look like in your Bibles. 1, 9, 1, 1. Okay, you can remember that. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Here's what it says. After he said this, that is Jesus, after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently. They is the disciples here and a group of people along with them. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Here's the good news. He went to heaven, right? Jesus went to heaven, and we have a promise here that he's coming back, yeah. right? That's the good news, that Jesus did, in fact, not only raise from the dead, as Scott was talking about, but he also went up into heaven, and there's some important things that happened because Jesus has gone to heaven. And one of those things is we know he's coming back, but then we need to take a look back at some things that he said when he was walking with his disciples and uh, we're going to go to John chapter 16 now. You can keep your finger in Acts chapter 1. We're going to John chapter 16. And at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is talking about persecution that's going to come and that he's going to die and he's going to leave them. And he says in verse 5, he says, Now I'm going to the one who sent me, and none of you ask where am I going, but you're filled with grief. Okay, so the disciples hear him say, I'm leaving, and they're going, oh, man, this is terrible. But here we go. We're at verse 7 now. This is John 16, starting at verse 7. 
And this is what it says. Jesus says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, and that's another name for the Holy Spirit, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, that is when the Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people don't believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. If Jesus doesn't go, there's no Holy Spirit. That's what it said, right? It says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's important that Jesus goes to heaven. You also see some important things here that the Spirit does, that Jesus promises that the Spirit's going to do. He says he's going to prove the world wrong in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, Perhaps you have an older version of the New International or you have a different version of the Bible and it uses the word convict. Convict and convince are the same root word. And so he's convincing people that they're sinful. He's convincing people that their righteousness will not cut it. Anybody here feel righteous enough to get into heaven on your own? No, you know better than that. The only righteousness that gets us into heaven is Jesus' righteousness, and we have that by faith, and he convinces us of that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not your job to convince people that they need his righteousness. He'll do that as you speak to them about the good news. And finally, he convinces people that they're condemned unless they believe. And also there's good news there at the end that the prince of this world is condemned. The, The accuser, the devil who keeps you down and keeps pestering you and saying you're no good and you can't follow Jesus and you keep stumbling and he doesn't want you anymore. That's the devil and he is condemned. And so you can just tell him, dare I say it? Shut up, devil. Yeah, just tell him to shut up because he's just going to use your mind as a battleground and try to condemn you. Isn't there something that says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? Yeah, that's in uh, 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So sometimes people get this picture of God and the devil as equal and opposite. That's yin-yang. That's not, that's not the Bible. Isn't that Hollywood? God's up here. Devil's down here. There. Okay. Got it? We're going to stomp on him, right? Get that snake. I did get the snake. All right. Okay, but Jesus took care of that, right? (laughs) Okay, one more thing that's really important and why Jesus had to go back to heaven. In Hebrews chapter 7, we are coming back to Acts, I promise. But in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 25, the writer of Hebrews gives us some important information about where Jesus is now and what he's doing now. So Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 25 says this, Hebrews 7, 23 to 25, you got it? It says, now there have been many of those priests, he's talking about all these priests who were offering sacrifices, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Amen. So Jesus is praying for us right now. 
He's praying for us while the Holy Spirit is at work among us and around us. And we could ask what he's praying, but we have a good clue in John chapter 17. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you, but let me just read a few of the verses from John chapter 17 that tell us what Jesus is praying and how he's interceding for us. It says in verse 11, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So he's praying for protection and for unity. Verse 13, he says that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So he's praying for your joy. He says in verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 21, that all of them may be one. There's unity again. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And there's an implication that the Spirit's in us there. And then finally, verse 24, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. And so Jesus, he's gone to heaven and he's interceding and he's saying, God, protect them. God, help them, sanctify them, set them apart as holy, make them holy, make them one and get them ready to see me in all my glory. Woohoo! Wow. Aren't you glad Jesus went back to heaven? I am. I'm glad he really did die on the cross. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would have been painful for him, but wow, what a blessing for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, wow, thanks, Mike. That's a, that helps a lot. So I've got a good what-if question for you. Okay. And I always picture this. You know how, like, Jesus' disciples were, like, when Jesus was arrested, he was all scared. They were all scared and hiding and stuff like that. And even even still, they were kind of hiding after after he resurrected. I mean, and they went back and went back to their old lives fishing and stuff. And Jesus had to chase them down and all that. But, okay, so now he, he goes up on this mountain. They meet him there, and he goes back into heaven. And, but he tells them, you know, that, hey, you guys need to, you guys need to wait. I've got something coming for you. What if his followers hadn't waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit? So in other words, what if they had just, oh, hey, we saw Jesus go to heaven. Let's go tell everybody. What if they had just run around starting to tell, uh, tell the good news or trying yeah. to preach whatever they felt like they needed to preach? They wouldn't have had any power. They wouldn't have been able to perform the signs and wonders which convinced people at that time. And those signs were to point to God and to prove the truth of the message. They were evidence that God was with them. They might have, uh, instead of going out and preaching, they might have just stayed in that room all the time singing Kumbaya. I don't know. Maybe. I love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Kumbaya, Why don't we ever sing that? My no. Lord, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so when persecution came, they probably would have just gone and hidden somewhere else. They'd just be jumping mm. from place to place, hiding. Nobody would get the good news. Nobody would know that Jesus had risen from the dead. They would not have had God's words to speak. They would not have had the unity which the Spirit brings. Because if Jesus hadn't gone to heaven, the Spirit wouldn't have come. It's all tied together. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a lot to think about. But, you know, I, Scripture is so clear. I mean, I, I, I have to think back to one of my favorite passages is, is in, in John. John uh, where Jesus gives what we call the upper room discourse, where he's got his disciples gathered right before he's going to be crucified. And he's, he's sacrificing himself. But in, in that whole thing, he tells them more than once about 
this plan that, that God our Father has. And in, in John 14, he says in verse 15, John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey me, you obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of the truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, let's fast forward to Acts, chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. Remember what happened? Luke starts out his book, and he's, he's continuing this, this historical but very important letter that he's writing to his, his friend, Theophilus. And he's telling him, Okay, so I, I told you about the things that happened before. Now I want to tell you what's going on now. And he starts in verse 1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus promised in, in John 14, now he's telling them, hey, it's about to become a reality. You guys, all I need you to do is just be obedient. Do what I'm asking you to do and wait. And before long, your lives are going to be completely changed. Then he goes on and he says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said this, and he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And I, I love that part because this, that, that part in verse 8, you will receive power. Isn't that awesome? But, you know, we have to ask ourselves, was that power just for them? All right, go wait in 10 days. Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going you're to have power like you never imagined it. I mean, this is better than any Marvel superhero thing, right? They're really, they're, they're going to receive power. And the Holy what, Spirit's going to come. For what purpose? For, oh, to share the good news. Right. To tell people about Jesus, what happened. And this power is going to change lives. Then he goes on, and one of my favorite passages comes out of uh, John 15, 26 and 27. It kind of touches on that. Yeah, let me get there. John 15, 15 26, and 27. 26 and 27. Listen to what Jesus tells them. Jesus is just reconfirming to his disciples what he'd already told them. But he says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. 
and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. So you see what Jesus is saying? And, and again, back to Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power and you're going to tell, you're going to testify me, you're going to be my witnesses. But that power that, that Jesus is giving that's coming to them in the Holy Spirit is power that gives us authority and words to share with the world around us about Jesus, what God has done through Jesus, and this wonderful gift of salvation that we have. And it's, and it's absolutely just amazing to think about. Did you ever think that you have power? You have power that you don't even know about. And it's available to you. The thing is, it's not about you. It's just simply about trusting God. You kind of started on our next topic. Did I? Did you catch it? Oh, it doesn't maybe, matter. Maybe a it little bit, matter. yeah. Good. So, so here's the question we're going to move to now. What if Peter, you know Peter, the apostle that did all the goofy stuff before he got the Holy Spirit? What I if, am Peter. What, yeah. Oh. What if Peter hadn't preached filled with the Spirit? What if he Ooh. hadn't been Spirit-filled when he preached on the day of Pentecost? And we're now finally getting to Pentecost. Uh, we're, we've been waiting. We've been waiting 50 days. You didn't notice the 50 days passed, did you? Does it feel like 50 days? Hopefully not. So what if Peter hadn't been filled with the Spirit as he preached on the day of Pentecost? That is a really good question. You know, I think that, honestly, I, if he hadn't had that Holy Spirit power in his life, first of all, what was it that drew all those people? Well, the crowd would not have gathered there would have been no crowd there. I mean, there were a lot of people in Jerusalem, but I think Mike's going to explain here a little bit of what happened on that day and what Scripture says, but there would have been no crowd to gather it in a place. And the uh, most important thing is the church would have never been born. would have never happened. We wouldn't be here today. We might be sacrificing to our, our pagan gods somewhere doing whatever. Even if people had gathered on that day, let's say, all right, Peter, Peter gets up and he says, you know what? It's time. We need to start telling people about Jesus. No Holy Spirit, no power, no authority. I'm sure he might have gathered a few listeners, kind of like when I preach on Sunday mornings. A few people would come in and, and, and listen. But um, the response at best probably would have been lackluster. There probably would have been just like a mediocre response to, to what he said. And again, there would have been no power or authority in his preaching whatsoever. So we're now in Acts chapter 2. And at the beginning of the chapter, they're all gathered together in one place. And there's this sound of a mighty rushing wind. And there's what appears to be tongues of fire on their head. And they begin speaking in other languages. And they go out. And everybody's hearing them in, in their own language. And they're from all over. If you look, there's... Medes and Greeks and Parthians. I don't remember all of the names of the people. I'm not looking at the scripture. Right Scythians. Now. Scythians. I love that That's word. A great word. Yeah. Anyway, so there's all these people, and they gather together, and they think think the disciples are drunk. And he says, "Hey, Peter says, nah, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Surely we're not drunk. Come on, people." And then he talks about how the prophet Joel had prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be given, and he preaches through history of Israel, and he talks about how Jesus was the one that was to come. And so uh, we're not going to read all of his message because we're focusing on what happens if he's not speaking by the Spirit of God. 
And so I want you to go to verse 37. We're going to start there in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. There's a couple of things here that give us an idea of what would happen if the Spirit had not been working. So verse 37, when the people heard this, okay, so he's preached his whole message. He's been speaking by the power of the Spirit. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So they're responding. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people respond to this message. People are cut to the heart. We talked earlier about the Holy Spirit convincing people in regard to sin and righteousness and, and judgment. The Holy Spirit's clearly at work here. You can see him doing that. So they were cut to the, the heart. Peter's words would not have convinced them, would not have brought that conviction if he hadn't been speaking by the Spirit. People would not have been cut to the heart. They would not have responded. Thousands would not have come to faith. And so we're grateful that we have this record that they waited as Jesus had commanded, and they waited for the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit came. And when the Spirit speaks through somebody, lives are changed. And, oh, man, God, God, speak through me. That's my prayer, is that God's Spirit would speak through me each and every week. Now, in Mark chapter 13, we're going to come back to Acts 2, I promise. But in Mark chapter, chapter 13, verses 9 through 11, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking about what things are coming. He's speaking to us because we're living in this time when uh, people are not going to be convinced. They're going to be kind of antagonistic toward God. And he says this in Mark 13, 9 through 11. He's speaking to the disciples, but he's also speaking to us. That's why we have God's word, so that he can speak to us. Here's what it says. Verse 9, Mark 13, 9 to 11. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand what you will say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Anybody here ever get worried about what you're going to say if you have a chance to share the gospel? Jesus says, don't worry. He says, it's going to be me speaking. The Holy Spirit's going to speak through you. Jesus is speaking. We know that this is reality, that he's going to speak through us, and it's spiritual reality, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak through us in all those difficult gospel-sharing situations we find ourselves in if we trust him. The gospel is going to go out, and it's going to be preached to all nations. We've, we've been praying for several months about uh, the new works that Evangelical Friends Mission is going to start. We're praying, Mark 13, verse 10, because we know that the gospel has to be preached to all nations before he can come. And so we don't know when that time 
is going to come. We're going to get to that in a bit. But we know that people from every tribe and language and people and nation are going to be before God's throne because it says so in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And uh, we don't have to read that right now, but it's, we, we're going to see all of those people before the throne of God. And people are going to believe when we speak for the same reason that they believed when Peter spoke. It's because the Holy Spirit's at work. Wow, that's uh, that's absolutely amazing. Just to think about that, that I don't ever have to worry about what I'm going to say, and sometimes I know that I should. But <laughs> but the fact is, is that uh, when I'm when I'm talking to people about Jesus, that I can I know that if I just trust Him, He'll He'll give me the right words to say to them. Wow. And you will receive yeah. power when the Spirit comes on you, so that you may be His witnesses, and the church can grow. Yeah. And and all that and wow, but you know that that brings us to a, to another interesting what if because like Mike read that you know that three thousand people were added to the church that day and and of course we know that there are some amazing things that happen uh, because of that but what if the church would have just been like just people gathered together that didn't really care about one another what if the church hadn't loved one another. Yeah, if they hadn't loved one another, and if we don't love one another, we need this message, right? We need to know that we need to love one another. If we don't love one another, we're no different than any other group. I love you, man. I love you, too. When we're not walking by the Spirit, or if the church is not walking by the Spirit, there's infighting and bickering and power grabbing and people trying to take authority over other people instead of letting God be our leader. They would have been choosing sides. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there is no divisions among you but that you would be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's what Jesus was praying about. And then he goes on in verse 11, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. That's what happens when the church is not following the Spirit. We have... People who are going, I'm on Team Scott, or I'm on Team Mike, and we get focused on individuals instead of on the Spirit of God. And this is a very real danger for the church. Beware. Mm. Yes. And we start neglecting needs, and we start judging, and we it's ugly when the church is not led by the Spirit. Thank God the Spirit's here, and I'm so glad to be a part of a church where once in a while we do dumb stuff, but most of the time we're following the Spirit. <laughs> I'm putting myself in that as well. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I mean, what would it be like if we didn't love one another? I think we should all sit on one side of the church together as close as we can, just to show that we love one another. No, I'm just <laughs> Okay, I'm just kidding. But didn't Jesus command us to love one another? Right off the bat, in John 13, uh, verses 34 and 35, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I'm going to repeat that. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's not doing miracles? No. It's loving one another. It's not... It's not like preaching. It's not like preaching. None of that stuff. It's how they know. The power of the the day of Pentecost is the spirit, of course. But what happens afterwards in the church is that they loved one another. That's what brought people to Christ. That's why it kept growing is because they loved one another. Yeah, and that's what what Luke records in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Listen to this, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. After those 3,000 people were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were baptized, and it says, Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How amazing is that? Think about it. Why were people joining the church? Was it because we were knocking on doors and telling them, hey, you need to repent, get Jesus, get saved, get baptized, and come every Sunday morning? Was it because they had this all of a sudden fear of hell, fire and brimstone? No. It was because of what the church was doing, what they looked like. They had everything in common. They were sharing everything they had to make sure that if there was anyone in need, everybody had enough. They were breaking bread in their homes and eating together. Potlucks. Potlucks. Oh, I it's love potlucks. I, th- I, th- I think the Greek word is potluckus or something like that. But, potluckus. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, but anyhow, the, the idea that they were showing love for one another and they were, they were gathering together as often as they could to worship together. But they were worshiping in love. And, and the truth is, true, true love in Scripture, in the New Testament, is that they did everything they could to help one another and make sure that everybody had what they needed. Then there's one of my favorite passages in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 through 11. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what he writes. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, But he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. You hear that? You hear what John's saying to the church? Guys, 
You know what? If there's no love, there's no God in your life. There's no Holy Spirit. There's nothing. You're just an empty vessel looking to be filled with something. And John wants to make it clear. We love one another because why? God is love. And because God loved us and sent his son. Because God sent his son in love, we have salvation. We also have the spirit. We have Jesus praying for our unity, which comes about when we love one another. And because we love one another and show it in practical ways, the world looks and says, that's what I want. It's not because we preach well or because we say kind things necessarily to them, but when they see us love each other in practical ways, Jesus says, that's how they're going to know that you're my disciples and they're going to want to follow. Amen? Amen. Let's take just a moment to respond to what God's word says and thank God that he raised Jesus from the dead and that he also sent him back to heaven so that he could be praying for us and so that the Holy Spirit could be sent and that we'd have power to uh, be his witnesses and that we'd have the spirit within us who loves way better than we do and who loves others through us so that the world can know. Let's take just a few moments in silence and, and respond to God, whatever it is that God wants to say. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has been sent, that by faith in Jesus we have received him within us. He's made us righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did. We thank you that by your Spirit we can love one another and we can love the world. And I pray, God, that you would send us out with your Spirit to be a blessing to your church, and to the world. God, help us to see what you're doing and to join you in your work. And God, thank you for the good news that we don't have to to live by our flesh anymore because the Spirit has come and made us righteous and has given us all that we need to live out the kingdom values that Jesus gives us and to live out a life that draws people to you. And I pray, God, that you would send your Spirit out into the world through us and that you would bring about the salvation of many. I pray that you'll do that not only with Pratt Friends Church, but with every church that proclaims your name in truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, Be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.